Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. two sisters, two brothers, okay? So what that meant is that anything in our house was a shared thing, okay? So that meant that whether it was one computer with one dial-up internet access, it meant that we all had 20-minute turns once a day, and we would sign in and sign out because that was the only way that we could take time to do this. So let's take a look at the, this other thing we had to share. This vehicle, this is called the Cozy Coupe made by Fisher-Price, and this vehicle um, was one of the first that I owned, and it was um, produced first in 1979, so it's been around for a great long while, so you might recognize it, pretty iconic colors, but I had um, to share this with my uh, siblings, and I had a brother that's only two years older than me. I even had to share a bedroom all the years of growing up, and this uh, Chris, he's two years older than me. It was natural that we were close, but as you may know in other relationships with closeness, sometimes comes friction. And so this friction that uh, we had expressed itself this one day. Um, Chris and I were playing in the basement and Chris had been racing around in this uh, vehicle. He was having a blast, but however, at some point he needed to use the washroom. So he uh, got out of the vehicle and left it unattended. Now, as Chris finished his business and proceeded to walk back into the family room, um, lo and behold, I had found myself situated in this car. And I was doing quite well. There's this kind of Fred Flintstone aspect where you are to kind of move yourself. And what was fascinating about that is that I, I did think that in an enclosed basement, I was able to get away from Chris. However, I wasn't. And Chris caught up to me, and he got very frustrated with me. And he started to say something like this. He was like, you know, Joel, I was playing with this. And you took it from me. And he proceeded to get more high-pitched. He said, Joel, it was my turn. I wasn't done yet. I was just in the washroom. I was using it. I want to use it. And he started to grab the yellow part. And here I am spinning out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm running all four cylinders at this point. And he's holding on to this vehicle. And I so badly want to, to leave. And so in... Uh, a long 0.034 seconds, I devised this strategy to release myself from the clutches of my brother Chris. I swung my head round, and I sunk my little teeth deep into his arms. And I didn't nibble, I didn't nibble. I, I tried, verse nibble to amputation, it was closer to amputation. That's what I was going for. And although I was unsuccessful with the full uh, clean cut, I was successful with releasing myself from Chris's clutches. Now, while that enabled me to uh, enjoy a brief um, seven seconds of uh, continued playtime and then some uh, repercussions with my mom and dad, it was one of my first memories about uh, 
the emotions that I've had as a young kid. One of my first is like when I think of like, when did I express myself? It's like, yep, when I bit him, that's the time. And so the, the reason I bring this up is because today we're talking about anger. We're going back into the tweets before Twitter's series. But before we do that, let's look into um, research on anger. Let's take a moment to look at this. This is fascinating. So the Department of Health and Human Services, which is this, um, a branch of the state government of Victoria, Australia, says this. The brain shuts blood away from the gut. This is the, what physically happens when you get angry. And it shuts blood away from the gut and towards the muscles in preparation for physical exertion. And the heart rate and the blood pressure and respiration increase the body temperature rises and the skin perspires, the mind is sharpened and focused. And while you sustain that kind of anger for too long, the constant flood of stress chemicals, this is the health effect now, um, can, uh, with, the, with the associated metabolic changes that go uh, with ongoing anger now we're talking about, can eventually cause harm to many systems of the body. This is research that's been established. Some of the uh, short and long-term consequences of unmanaged anger is, there's a list, there's headaches, digestion problems, which makes sense as blood isn't uh, going to your gut anymore, it's going to your muscles for the uh, fight or flight response. Insomnia, increased anxiety. We see depression, they found a high blood pressure of course skin problems, like eczema, and in the severe cases, heart attack and stroke. So anger is serious. And it's, it's clear that we need some wisdom on what to do with our anger, because it physically changes us, and we see in Scripture that it also treats anger very seriously. And so we're diving back into this Tweets Before Twitter series, which is all about the fact that we have lots of wisdom in this world. We have lots of wisdom at our fingertips. Um, and well, let's just take, let's take a look at some of the wisdom that we have uh, going around. This is uh, Simon. He says, uh, the store clerk says to him, uh, may I help you? And uh, the store clerk, or he responds, I hope so, sweetie. Go get your math homework. This nice lady is going to help us out. So, you know, get a you know, good way to grab some, uh, a quick comeback to get, uh, you know, free of some of those parenting responsibilities. Uh, Michelle says, a person who loves you will never kick you when you're down or pour salad in your wounds. And it's just, we see there's some real silly problems with some of the wisdom we get where it's been regurgitated so many times where it's salt in your wounds and now we see salad and it's like, even in this recent of wisdom, we have, you know, crazy stuff that is not at all true. This is, you know, this is a good commentary on uh, cultural issues. So sick of seeing all these tweets about what, how white people can't handle their spicy food. Every morning I have a lightly buttered crumpet with a side of avocado, and I'm so used to it, it hardly burns my lips anymore. And so we, we have all of these different ideas, and it's clear that we need some better wisdom than this. This is, this is one of my favorites here. It's a, between a dad and a son, and they're talking, and the son asks, Dad, why is my sister, sister's name Rose? And the dad responds, because your mother loves roses. Thanks, dad. And the dad responds, no problem, Costco hot dog. 
And so even when we're seeing, you know, expressions of father-son relationships, it's, you know, we can get really misguided. Like, it, you know, we shouldn't name our kids just after our favorite foods. So the point I'm trying to make is that today's wisdom and entertainment, albeit, um, steers us maybe a little too far away from what is actually good for our lives. Now, someone years and years and years and years ago, Solomon wrote down lots of his tweets, lots of his pieces of wisdom. And we're going to look into Solomon's wisdom as a better source um, for how to understand what our relationship with anger is. So let's uh, just pause and uh, invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for uh, this time that we are able to look into your word. We're able to understand that you have great plans for us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak um, to this congregation, that you would use me to um, glorify you and uplift this congregation. I pray this in your name. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And that truly is the good news, is that we do have better wisdom about anger. So, I just want to do a couple of quick preface things about anger. I want to touch on two things that we're going to go into three tweets, okay? And then we'll have a conclusion, and that'll be um, the time that we're going to share together, and then we'll uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper together as well. In James 1, 19 to 20, it says this, Know this, my beloved Brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man or humanity does not produce the righteousness of God. And so why I want to bring this up is just to quickly note that while we make justifications for our anger at times, um, James says some pretty strong words about it where it's simply our anger, it just can't produce righteousness. So that's a, that's a fairly strong um, added guidance to that, you know, anger has some severity to it, and that our anger doesn't necessarily produce um, righteousness. Um, and so I just want to give that context. And I also want to note um, this Rabbi Dr. Abraham, two, two titles, Rabbi and Doctor, he um, shares this uh, knowledge um, in a little video online, and he says that anger is expressed in three phases, okay? And he says that these phases can be described as anger, rage, and resentment. Now, the first phase of anger is that initial kind of emotional response where someone cuts you off, and that feeling you get right then um, is, is uh, what anger is. Now, he says, suggests that there's no control over it. I would suggest that as we discover what we're going to talk about, there is more control over that initial response, and we'll, our initial response can even be steered. So I think we have some control over that. Rage is the reaction to that initial feeling, what we do in response, and that we have all control over. And resentment, how long do we hold on to that uh, uh, rage, onto that uh, moment of anger? That is something we all have control over as well. So when we're talking about anger, I'm referring to mostly this rage and resentment um, that we find in our lives, the rage and resentment phases of anger. So we, we have all kinds of um, books within our Bible. We have wisdom literature. We have poetry. We have the Gospels or ancient biographies, perhaps. And we have, um, you know, Old Testament stories. We have uh, letters, even. And 
we're going into uh, Proverbs, which is a wisdom book, and there's uh, one detail that I just want to recap, um, as Pastor John did. Uh, wisdom literature, the thing about it is that it's not all promises, but they are all principles. So that's, as we think about this, as we go through Scripture, uh, let's just keep that in mind. So the process of how we're going to make up some tweets here is we're going to, what I did is I took a survey, I used a tool um, to aid in taking a survey of the book of Proverbs and seeing what uh, was revealed about anger within that book. And now I, I you know, it brought up many, many different verses, and I went through and I uh, saw similar themes. So I saw these different um, kind of lumps together, and we'll see that they, all these verses um, for each tweet have quite a bit of commonality. So, and then I just produced something more concise off of these three verses. So that's what we're going to do three times, and then we'll be uh, concluded. So let's go to the first scripture here. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25. It says that, do not make friends with hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their way and get yourself ensnared. We looked into a application or a NIV application commentary. It's one of the books in our library. I have it out right now, so you can't get it. But what it says is this: that the warnings against bad associations. This is an academic that's wrote about this passage of scripture. Warns us that friendships and partnerships are never neutral. If we are to become a people who learn preserve and teach these wisdom traditions, we are more likely to succeed if we link arms with even-tempered people who take responsibility for their actions rather than hotheads. So this is some difficult stuff to digest because I'm sure um, we might be identifying relationships that don't fit so well with uh, this, this Proverbs verse. And so I think it's clear that it's not calling for a complete separation or disassociation for those people with uh, poor hem- uh, tempers. And, and we know from Jesus' life that he associated with people and he hung out with people that weren't perfect, that's for sure. And so, so I don't think that that's what it's guiding us towards, but I do think it's guiding us towards this. Anger is contagious. It is a behavior that can be learned. It is something that if you grew up in a home with a short-tempered person, it's likely that you probably have some response where that's, that's where you go naturally. And, the, and how we can apply that is that we need to be conscious of those, uh, the tempers of those around us. We need to be conscious of their effect. So, tweet number two. First one, anger is contagious. We got to be conscious of those who are who are angry around us. No. <laughs> okay. Let's go to Proverbs 14.29. We're going to survey four verses and then see a commonality between them all. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Let's go to 16.32. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than who takes a city. Let's pause. Um, this was a time where conflict was constant. Conflict was constant. And here they're saying that even in this context, a patient person is better than a warrior. 
And if we take a survey of the Old Testament, sometimes we see, like, doesn't sound like super patient people all the time, but here we're, we're uh, notified that the greatest people, the, pe- the best leaders, the, the best people um, when it comes to uh, uh, leading is to be patient. Let's go to 1911. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And 2515, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. So all these proverbs are kind of comparing aggressive and angered responses or peoples or situations with this other virtue. And let's, let's realize that it's patience. In several of the verses I look towards, patience reoccurred and reoccurred. And so, what's important to realize is that anger, um, there are biblical solutions to anger. This is something that we, uh, we have. So let's go um, to our second tweet. When you get angry, focus on being patient. That's what I think these four verses are revealing, is that Anger is compared and contrasts, uh, contrasted with patience. And so instead of trying to muster up less anger, I think it is more meaningful us, for us to embrace patience. And that's the antidote, the, the cure um, for anger, perhaps. So the connection here... Um, that's really revealing and why I think this is really affirmed is that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, that's a metaphorical phrase, fruits of the Spirit, referring um, to this imagery that as one abides in the Holy Spirit, it results in something. It produces fruit. And so Paul writes in this letter where he talks about people that ab- abide in their flesh and, and are of the world and what it produces, and then talks about those who abide in Jesus, who, who pray every day and who um, study the scriptures. And he says this, that, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruits in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience. Patience is a result of abiding in the Holy Spirit. So to be patient, because the natural question of when you get angry, focus on being patient. Well, focus is like, like meditate, or what does that mean? So what I'm saying is to focus, to cultivate patience in your life, commune with the Holy Spirit. How do we commune with the Holy Spirit? I really, really, really don't think it's complicated. And there's, there's just a simple openness to taking one episode worth of time instead of watching an episode or whatever it may be, whatever crossword or whatever you do in the morning that maybe relaxes you perhaps, but whatever it is, carve out time to simply ask, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do today? And Holy Spirit, I give you my day. And there's just this openness and, and walk in that kind of understanding, that knowledge, that simple prayer throughout your day. And I think that that's uh, very simply is w- one way we can commune and abide in the Holy Spirit. And through that is how we can 
have the antidote to anger. Because I don't think that our ability to conquer anger is something we can will into existence, where we just try hard enough and anger seems to dissipate in our lives. I think anger is something we need to rely on someone much bigger than ourselves to deal with. And so while I, I acknowledge you know, anger management strategies, conflict resolution, these are positive things, but when it comes to actually having radical life change, there needs to be uh, the Holy Spirit giving us the grace and dispensing this gift of patience. This, this gift of patience comes from the Holy Spirit. Let's go on to our third tweet here. Last one. 1518 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one who is patient calms a quarrel. 2922. An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. 30.33. For as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. Key word here is, uh, repetitive word here is stirs. That's something that all of these have in co uh, common, as well as other things. Um, but I, I think this is really important. Really important because this reveals why we can't be complacent about our anger. Okay, so, so 15 and 29, they're very similar, almost identical, um, which I think suggests that this is important. So it talks about a hot-tempered person, an angry person, stirs up conflict. So, and, and again, and there's the stirring up of anger produces strife. The produces is a great word there as well. What I want to reveal is that anger does. Anger does not end with the emotion, but anger changes your life. Anger changes your relationships. It produces something. The same way that a relationship with Jesus Christ produces something, the fruits of the Spirit, the same way that anger, it produces something. It produces something. So I don't know if Danae and Jacob can hear me. Come on in, guys. Wonder where it's got to. So I did this experiment as a grade tour, as trying to identify with um, pioneers, because you know the churning of butter. But it references this, so I just wanted to illustrate. Butter is something that um, is created, so it's starting to happen. But the idea is that cream um, does not stay the same state when it's shaken. So cream is not. Um, when, when the effects of agitation is applied to cream for long enough, it turns states. It changes. And so too with our lives, as we have this agitation, this anger in our hearts as our, our initial response, it changes us. And we, and we become something different that God did not intend. And so that's, that's the, the point here. So, so anger shapes our circumstance. That's our third tweet this morning. Anger shapes our circumstance. 
and how that matters to us is that we can't be passive with our anger. We can't let it go on. So initially I had the point, deal with your anger. Um, and I realized that to be ineffective in my own life as I, as I talked through or thought, you know, thought through, reflected on how anger's affected myself, and I thought, no, that, that doesn't work. Deal with your anger, someone telling you to deal with it. But we need to give it. There needs to be this separation where we're like, God, I can't do this. You need to have this. And so, so I want to say, give your anger to God as our application there. And Anger was a part of my life, um, a serious part of my life, a part of my life that uh, shaped me and changed me. 13, 14, 15, I think, was when it was most evident. And my initial response to everything became anger. There was a gentleman in high school that thought it would be, thought it would be a good idea to just r- r- um, rough me up any chance he got, uh, just through the hallways or change room, whatever it was. And I, I didn't get it. I couldn't understand it, and I got angry, real angry. And when I saw people. When I saw people that I knew get hurt, I knew that I had something to do with it. That's what I thought. And so I'd get angry with myself. I would get angry with others when I thought they were valuable people that loved me and yet I felt no support from them and I would get angry. And I would say, you know, questions like, well, where are you? I don't see you helping me. I would look at my, my physical body. I would look at all different kinds of things, and I'd say, like, what are you? Like, why aren't you better? And I would get angry at myself. I would, I would um, have expectations on me, and, and it would be all about performance. And I'd be trying to achieve something, and when I failed, it was not okay, and I was angry with myself. And I couldn't deal with with that emotion of failure any other way than with anger. And when I hurt people around me, I, I had to be angry at myself. That was the only okay emotion to feel when I hurt someone was to be angry with myself. That was the only way I could redeem the situation, was feeling angry with myself. And sometimes, this is probably the thing I spent most time angry with, spent time angry with God. I don't have to convince anyone that even as a Christian, there's lots of challenges we go through. And I could not understand why an all-powerful God 
would let me hurt the way I hurt. I would be so upset with myself that I would ask God to come into that situation. And for whatever reason, at that time, I could not see God. And I would say things like, and, and this, is, this is the difference, though. I didn't stop believing in God. That would have been a very different situation. I knew God existed, but I couldn't see him. I would say, you know, where are you, God? If you love me, then where are you? Why aren't you here with me? You know, do, do you even care about me, God? Are you sitting around laughing somewhere? Am I not important enough for you to care? And I was angry, angered with God. I was angry with God. And this anger drove me to hurt myself. And this anger drove me to all kinds of different expressions where uh, those four-way tire irons, I would take an aluminum bat and beat it behind the, bar, behind the barn. I would, I would just, I had no way of coping with this anger of mine. And, and it, was, it was my after-school activity just to be angry. My life was devoured by this anger. My, my emotional res, uh, re, uh, response expression was, was only in anger. But that's, <laughs> that's not the end of my story. You see, second week of July 2014. Uh, God looked at this. He saw it. He did. He knew what was going on. He reached down. He got on a knee. And through all of this, looking like this, not being able to hear him how many times, he reaches into my life and he says, I've got a plan for you, Joel. I've got a purpose for you, and you, you mean something to me, so much so that I'm going to craft a calling for you. And here in this moment, standing at an altar, feeling emotional and, and whatever else, here I was having God reach into my heart, into my mind, into my physical body, saying, no more, I am giving you purpose. You have a purpose you're going to become a pastor. I was told this. And for some reason, God saw this moment, this moment to be the fit one to call me to something I could not even imagine. And so he takes this, this, this turmoil and he reaches into it and he says, no, 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 I've got something more. And God starts to reverse these effects. And he says, that bitterness, that doesn't matter anymore. That hurt you feel? That's okay, Joel. I'll take care of it. Give it to me. That anger response with your siblings for not being there for you, for feeling like that? For, for misinterpreting the situation like that? He says, you know what? Even though you weren't right in your anger, I'm still going to take it. One by one, God starts to take this from me. Some of it immediately. A cool thing about God, he creates in us what he already knows us to have. 
he just realizes his already happening plan. And so I'm not becoming some mysterious thing I don't know about. I see that it is God's will for my life and that through this process, he's taking away my anger. And albeit tough, the process is finished eventually. But, but I want to take a moment to look at this. Because even in that transfer, a life apart from Jesus, this is your result with good anger management. This is what life ends up looking like. If I had enough time, this is what your life ends up looking like. This is what my life looked like. Bitterness and resentment still in there, so ingrained in who I am, I can't deal with it. And, and, and no ma- amount of worldly wisdom or whatever it is can, can fix this. This can't be fixed apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus took these so we don't have to. And the anger that we feel is no longer something we need to express because Jesus took the anger of the world on himself and took it to the cross and died there with it. And so that anger that we think we need to have has no longer had an effect on us. And this isn't where he leaves us. Because Jesus also, he also took the scars. And he wears the scars so we don't have to. He wears the scars so we don't have to. And his feet, when we meet him, we'll be able to see that God redeemed our scars because he took them for us. It wasn't because they vanished. It's because he took the consequence. This is the consequence of a life lived in sin. And he took those consequences on himself and he said, as God, as man, I can bring redemption to this. And through his blood, he made us new again. And this doesn't happen once. This happens every moment as you put your faith into Jesus Christ. Each and every day, this is what you wake up to. I don't care how old you are. This is what you look like to God. If you've put your faith in him, this is what he's giving you. This is what he's giving you. In a moment, we're going to celebrate that sacrifice that, that Jesus gave. He sacrificed everything for us. And today, you know, I don't think I'm alone with this, where we've driven in points of anger, and we've marred our relationships and lives by feeling angry with people, with our situations, with God. And if that's you today, you don't have to stay like this. Please don't leave this morning without having a thought about this because this is not God's plan for you. God has more for you than this. He has the ability to fix everything and give you a clean slate, a new start. What God did for me, he will do for you. We don't have those scars because Jesus has them. 
are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.